presented by Lisa Evers. I'm so glad you're joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers on the Terror Threat Next Door. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Follow me on Twitter, at Lisa Evers. Same on Instagram now, at Lisa Evers. We're going to be reading some of your tweets and Instagram comments on the air. You're listening to Hot 97, 97.1 FM in New York City in the Tri-State. Hot 97 Live on the iHeartRadio and TuneIn Radio app. And we're also streaming live online right now across the United States on Hot97.com. So if you're listening here here in New York City, and you have a friend, you have a relative in another part of the country, maybe you have somebody that's active duty military, you need to listen to this show right now. Tell them to tune in and all those ways I just mentioned that you can check you know, check the show and they can listen to the live stream on Hot97.com. We are asking you the question, something we wanted to talk about for a while. It's certainly been in the news. Do you think the threat of terror here in the United States is being hyped by the media and government, or are you concerned, maybe even worried about what could happen here, given the things that we've seen going on? Give us a call right now from anywhere in the United States at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Now, every week, it seems like we have a new terror-related story here at home, something that's happening in our own backyard. A New Jersey man who was a U.S. Air Force veteran was arrested recently for allegedly planning to join ISIS fighters overseas. A group calling another incident here, a group calling itself the Islamic State Hacking Division, put out a hit list with the pictures, names, and personal information of 100 members of the U.S. military, including addresses and personal family information. Another incident, you might recall this This one in Brooklyn, three Brooklyn men, some of them from Uzbekistan, all Muslim. One was 19 years old, the other 24, the third one 30 years old. They had roots in the community. People knew them. They're all facing federal terrorism charges for plotting to wage jihad for ISIS. These are just a few of the recent developments. These are things that are happening here in the United States. And of course, we see what's going on abroad with the brutal executions, public executions, videotaped of everything. Everyone from aid workers, journalists, children, Christians to gays, everybody that is happening at the hands of ISIS. Are you worried about the terror threat here at home? Or do you think this is an overhype? Give us a call now at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. And we have a great panel here with us in studio to talk about this. Joining us is Jonathan Gillum. He's a former Navy SEAL, a former FBI agent specializing in counterterrorism and he's currently the CEO of U.S. Continued Service. Jonathan, thanks for being with us. Great we appreciate to be here. it. Um, also with us is Amin Nathari. He's a Muslim scholar and public speaker, the author of seven books. He is the former Deputy Com- uh, Communications Director for former Newark Mayor Cory Booker was very involved with the community there, Street Soldiers, in our founding days there in, in Newark, and also is with the Speakers Group Islam in America Movement. I mean, thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me, Lisa. We really appreciate it. Also joining us is Harry Houck. He's a CNN commentator. He's a former first grade NYPD detective. He's the president of Houck Consulting, often speaks on terrorism issues, especially as they relate to New York City and the targets here. Harry, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Lisa. We appreciate it. Also joining us is Jibran Malik. He's a Pakistani-American actor and rapper. He's Muslim. He's against 
the Islamic extremists, but he says he has experienced prejudice. He's also forming a new movement called the Common Accord. We're going to find out all about that. And of course, your telephone calls at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. And of course, we're also going to talk about the role of social media as it's being used by terrorists to spread their message and to appeal to a younger generation. Let me start with Jonathan Gillum on that. Jonathan, you say ISIS may be losing the ground war, but they're winning the war in the social media. Well, I mean, whether or not they're moving, you know, like that their battle is moving at a consistent pace over in the Middle East is still yet to be seen. I mean, they actually are spreading um, at a, at a pretty good pace, but overall, uh, because of the you know just the sheer fact that the number of people that don't like them over there, they've kind of been held back a little bit, but. Um, Whereas they're not over here hitting us constantly as they are in Syria with different uh, areas over there, they are able to utilize Twitter, high production video, all these different things to recruit people that you know are in on the cusp uh, of their faith, really, um, or maybe new to the religion or people are being converted. When you have in any religion, you have this point where you have to choose, you know, and you if you're if you have people that are leading you that are not in their religion for the right reason, it doesn't matter what religion you are, you're at a very critical stage. And they are becoming very uh, adept at targeting those people with the videos, with the Twitter, with all these different things. And we are not able or have not been able to get ahead of that because of policy. Policy right now in the United States and really around the world – Foreign policy, national security, and not having a war plan is actually doing more destruction and causing more problems than ISIS themselves. All right, 1-800-223-9797, Hot 97 Street Soldiers, Lisa Evers, at Lisa Evers, Twitter and Instagram. Harry Hauka, you're a former NYPD detective. You you study, you consult on terrorism now. Mm-hmm. The Is the threat to New York as real as what we hear? Well, there is a there is a threat, you know, uh, as far as ISIS uh, operationally being able to carry out attack here in uh, in New York. I think the threat's pretty low, but the fact that like what John was talking about with the use of Twitter and diff- uh, the internet related, uh, you know, media that's out there, um, they're they're trying to attempt to get self radicalized jihadists here in the United States to attack, uh, and that's usually that's a red flag to me, saying that they can't do that alone. So they're trying to radicalize people here in the United States, in New York. And I, I think the uh, the NYPD and the Joint Terrorist Task Force here in New York does a great job in, you know, trying to, uh, on their intelligence efforts and trying to track these down. But one of the biggest dangers is if you got one self-radicalized jihadist and he doesn't tell anybody what he's going to do, there's probably no way for our intelligence groups here in New York and the United States to be able to, uh, you know, get a warning that attack's going to occur. So that's that's one of the biggest problems we have today, being able to find those lone wolves who can be very, very dangerous. And we're going we're to talk about that as well. You're listening to Hot 97. We're talking about the terror threat. Is it overhyped or are you concerned? 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. I mean, Nathari, how does the Muslim community, the the mainstream Muslim community, look at this terror threat? We look 
look at it that it's um, certainly a real threat, but it represents a, certainly a very, very small microcosm of uh, Muslims. Most oftentimes, the people you find that are prone to those type of uh, sentiments are those people that have just been disenfranchised and uh, isolated from the community, period. Very few instances do you have where you have people that are actually connected to the Muslim community, other than, like you mentioned, the situation where people had roots in the community. Even so, most of their ideological uh, training is given to them by people who have these perspectives. So as Muslims in America, we speak out about it and we certainly denounce it. But most importantly, I think that we just have to up our engagement so that we can let people in America know what Islam stands for. And as long as we're working in the communities and we're invested in really making America and helping to make a contribution and make America a better place, we hope that that will be enough and we don't always have to be so much on the defensive about these things that I know people would do. Is, in, in is there a Islam. consciousness in the community, though, about being on the lookout for anybody who might be radicalized? Because with this case in Brooklyn, where you have, the, you have a 19-year-old, they came from Uzbekistan, and according, I interviewed one of the local community leaders who knew one of the three uh, defendant suspects, and he said that they, they came here to the United States and then they felt very marginalized, they didn't speak the language, they felt very kind of apart from the mainstream American culture, and that that made them susceptible to these online uh, pitches that Jonathan was talking about from ISIS that were radicalizing and that were giving them a radical message. And then they started to notice that they were just the one guy that had the travel store, the uh, travel agency, that they were starting to notice that they were getting more extreme, they were acting differently. Is there a a sense of awareness in the Muslim community about that? There's a heightened sense of awareness. And we see the signs because we know the signs when they come. Like what what are signs? Basically, when you see people when uh, they start Start to, they start to become more pronounced in their uh, in their hatred of uh, U.S. foreign policy, and they just begin to be more verbal about things that are going on. Most of the time, Muslims that have conversations about uh, political issues or about engagement, they tend to be you know balanced, you know, focused conversations. But those people who you know we see them in the mosque, different places throughout America, but most of the imams and the leadership, we're on a heightened alert because we try to uh, extinguish that type of talk when it happens because we don't want those people affecting other young people that might also want to uh, you know develop those tendencies or what have you. All right, we're going to talk we're going to talk more about that 1-800-223-9797. I want to bring into the conversation right now Robert McFadden. He's a veteran federal law enforcement agent. He's a former deputy assistant director of counterintelligence operations for NCIS and a court certified expert on al-Qaeda and other terror movements in the near and middle east. Robert, thank you so much for being with us. Robert, all right. I'm going to see if we get we got to get TJ in here to get get Robert on the line. Um, let me ask you, Jabron. Let me ask you mm-hmm. the uh, in ter- in terms of your experience as a as a, a Muslim man, have you had problems where people made negative assumptions about you based on your religion? Of course, they. I mean, it's natural. And then you know, with what's you know after 9/11, it just became prior to 9/11. They didn't even know really what where my parents' country came from and where that was. Right after 9-11, that's the only knowledge they have of who I am. You know what I mean? That's what's all, all they see on the TV and, and they hear on the radio. So I had issues. Um, some people had it worse than me. Um, my, you know, I speak English well. I was born and raised here, so I can you know, disarm anyone who thinks that way immediately once I start speaking to them. But what if I was somebody who didn't speak English that well? You know, Their experiences might have been worse and probably were. But um, you know what he was. You know what he was speaking about earlier. Um, 
Amin. Amin. Yeah, um, what he was speaking about earlier about the attractiveness that ISIS creates with these ideas to, you know, young people who are not familiar with how the religion works or how their faith works is that it's the same factors that someone uses in a sales pitch. It's the same thing that works in psychology. Like, for example? Like, if someone were to sell you a car that didn't work. You know what I mean? But they know you're in a desperate situation or they know that someone's made fun of you for not having certain things in life or whatever. They find you at a vulnerable stage or they make certain things more meaningful to you by the way they speak. And they really worked on the religion really well in taking certain aspects of it and making it real. Like, look, you need to fight. You need to do this. You need to join us. And you need to do that when it's just a spin. You know what I mean? It's just someone who's making a really good sales pitch. And they're using the same psychological factors that work in that situation, but they're just using religion. Head games, what we would call head yeah, games. And I want, I want to talk more about that that distortion that a lot of Islamic scholars say ISIS used to, to come up with that, mm-hmm. what, what we're calling a sales pitch. But Robert, are you there? Hello. Okay, Good we morning. got Robert on the air right now. Thank you so much. This is Robert McFadden. Um, Robert, you have a tremendous amount of experience with counterterrorism and with these terror movements. Right now, in uh, March 2015, here in New York City in the United States, how do you assess the threat? Is it is it worse? Has it gotten worse? Are we really in danger? Because a lot of people are kind of starting to feel like, oh, we keep hearing about this, keep hearing about this, and it's just a media thing. No, sure, and absolutely. I mean, it's a very good question, and it's it's so much a part of our daily life if you uh, watch or listen to media in any way. But, you know, the perspective, though, and context is really an important part of it. And, and let's talk about um, the numbers, for example, in the United States and as regards Islamic State or ISIS or ISIL. It's extraordinarily small. Now, even with that being said, though, it only takes one or a few to be um, lethal, and terrorism is theater, so it's all about sowing fear and and changing our way of life or attempting to change our way of life. But when you talk about the numbers, though, of United States citizens or those who are in the United States as, uh, let's say, resident aliens going to Iraq or Syria, again, the numbers are very, very small compared to uh, European counterparts such as France or even tiny Belgium. So, yes, it is a problem. But, but the numbers are, are much smaller than, than what it might appear. And what exactly is ISIS? Well, Islamic State really is just a, has taken a page from the book of Al-Qaeda, or what we refer to in, in the Sufan group as bin Ladenism. It's that philosophy, really, that's, that's based on violence as the only means to address uh, ills or perceived grievances. Uh, using that form of extreme Sunni or Takfiri Islam uh, that really is aberrant for overwhelming the amount of mainstream Muslims around the world. Um, the only difference between ISIS and Qura al-Qaeda is differences at the very top in leadership when it comes to power and ego, but really they're, they're of the same philosophy, absolutely. And what do you think of the current, the current counterterrorism efforts of the United States? Are they enough? Um, well, I, I, I have to admit my bias uh, somewhat, uh, having been a former practitioner for a better part of 30 years. Um, the effort since 9-11 actually has been extraordinary um, and, and successful, although I have to say I knock on wood as I say that as a former practitioner, now in private industry, uh, still studying these things. Um, you know, the, the thing about it is we're, we're, we're hoping... And, and trying to nudge the, the narrative to turn the corner is that it has to be 
a lot of work. There must be a lot of work done at the community level and even down to the family level when it comes to countering the idea that uh, violent extremism is an answer to anything. And there are some very good programs um, around the country right now going on that are effective. All right. um, Robert McFadden, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right, thank you. That's Robert McFadden. He's the former uh, Deputy Assistant Director for Counterintelligence Operations for NCIS. Jonathan, you're shaking your head there. Yeah, uh, you know, no hit on Robert completely, but uh, that's the opinion of somebody who was a Deputy Director. You know, I'm somebody who was in the trenches. Uh, I've been in several different agencies. I've been a SEAL out on the ground, and I'm telling you right now, this is way worse than what he made it sound, and the, and the efforts since 9-11 are also way worse than he made them sound. The fact is, there's been a lot of smoke and mirrors put in place since 9-11. Also, um, when you ask him about ISIS, the fact is, ISIS and al-Qaeda are all a part of what I would term, and what a lot of people have termed, is fundamental Mohammedism. And the thing about what they believe, and it crosses Sunni and Shia, is because this comes from before Sunni and Shia, it's a 1,400 years old, is the fact that they follow the same tactics, mindset, and here's the most important part, superstitions and stories that most of the Muslims followed with Muhammad. There's majority of these fighters follow superstitions and stories more than they do the Quran. They have uh, all stories about how the earth c- was created, about how you should mm-hmm. fight. The majority of that comes from stories, comes from superstitions. Almost like a cult. Well, you know, it's a 1,400-year-old religion. You have to, any religion, you have to look at the fundamentals of that religion. And the fundamental founders had certain aspects of the way that they led. Muhammad was a political leader, he was a, a military leader, and he was a religious leader. And so you have to look at, you know, how he fought back in those days. There were no technologies. That's the way they had to fight. But I'll tell you, despite the the technological advance now, there's, you know, which is going to allow them to spread this fundamental movement faster than ever before in history, which in uh, 19— Because they're trying to make the movement, this this ISIS movement, go viral using a lot of videos and social media. I would suggest everybody stop concentrating on ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Khorasan. Start looking at the fundam- where the, what this is, fundamental Mohammedism, but now it's techni- techno- technologically advanced. In 1915, they killed over a million Armenians in Turkey. But here's the thing. I truly believe n- there's the number one thing that can be done is if the Muslim community starts being offensive instead of defensive because that's i know the way the muslim community feels in a lot of ways because they are constantly being hounded and and so they've taken the spot of hey listen we'll take care of this we'll take care of this but the reality is the muslim community i've been saying this for over 10 years that when they go on offensive to to police themselves there is going to be a change well, I mean, what about that? I, no, exactly. I, I, total, I totally agree. And mm-hmm. we were having this conversation before we came right. in, you know. Uh, and honestly, this is I need everybody to, to be clear about this. A person like Jabron, our other guest here, and myself, if we were to encounter people from ISIS right now that are Muslim, they would kill us. Mm-hmm. That's right. They would kill us because <clears throat> what they represent is such a small sectarian idea 
of what Islam is about, and it's not even really rooted in Islam, as as you mentioned, as our guest mentioned, it's rooted in a lot of the fundamental underpinnings for things that happen within a particular context, and. To his point, we definitely need to stop just talking about ISIS because Boko Haram. We can look at all with these the Nigerian groups. girls. We can right. look at all yeah. these groups. They all have the same philosophical. Which is which is what? What which is what's they, the what's the end game? What's the goal? That's they, what I don't they, get. Global, global domination. Their goal, their goal is they they think backwards. There there was a video that ISIS released where the guy was like, "We will conquer Rome." Rome in Arabic is, is Rome. Rome. There is no Rome. Their brain. They're in a fanatical. They're in a fantasy zone. In their mind, they're driven by an idea that, like was said earlier, that it's existed in the seventh century, right? Now, Islam, if you study it and then you study pre-Islamic Arabia, Islam was a progressive movement. It worked to make a social change, to move forward in society. They want to go back. It wouldn't make any sense for someone who started a, a social reform mm-hmm. and a progressive movement to say, hey, why don't you come back this way when we're trying to go forward when they're trying to go backwards. So and, and that's that is what you see now, you know, when you say peaceful Muslims, the reality is that is the, that's the progressive exactly. Islam that you saw exactly. moving then. Mm-hmm. But what has happened is that group uh, that, that fundamental fighting group has never gone away. I mean, they've always been there. Yeah. It's just that every once in a while they raise their head up. And like I said, in, in Armenia, you know, 1.5 million, half of all Armenians that exist on the earth in 1915 were eliminated because this movement came up and the politicians in Turkey allowed that to happen. The, the, the dangerous thing now, though, Lisa, is that that was centered in one area because technology didn't exist to help it spread the technology is here now where a guy that feels this way on that side of the world can get on a plane and fly to this side of the world yeah that but fast. that's what we're saying they they say harry hawk they say about in 1-800-223-9797 we're talking about terrorism we're hearing it in the news pretty much almost every day a news story just about every week and we really wanted to kind of take a look at where we are in our communities where we are in our muslim communities here um, in the United States, and also to just get some more information about this. What's the hype? What's the reality? Maybe you served our country overseas and you have strong opinions on this. We'd love to hear those, too. Please identify yourself as former military when you speak to Charisma. She's on the phones. Give her a call right now, 1-800-223-9797. Harry, how... I, I, I think what we hear on the uh, on the news all the time is Islamic terrorism, Islamic terrorism, Islamic terrorism, Muslim terrorism. All right. And and this this uh, although it's 100 percent true, you know, Americans are sitting there and they're listening to what the world's sitting and listening to them and they're thinking Muslim bad, Muslim bad. Yeah. All right. And that's a perception that's out there. And and anybody, anybody that actually thinks clearly would have to know that most Muslims, 90 percent of them or whatever the percentages are good people, especially the ones here in America. I have a couple Muslim friends myself uh, uh, that tend to be like better friends. <laughs> that I have that might be because they're so they're so honest and they're so close to you in the way in the, in the way they act. So mm-hmm. if we're saying before that perception is reality to people, not the truth. Perception is reality. Mm-hmm. So if they perceive that Muslims are bad and they're terrorists, all right, that's how we're going to see it. But it's, so but it's oh, go ahead. So what we had talked about is you know I, I I believe like John says here the answer is the Muslim community coming out and attacking against. 
the Islamic extremists uh, and coming out and marching and saying, we are Americans, we love this country, uh, we are against terrorism, and, and I think that'll go a long way for the Muslim community. All right, let me take some phone calls because we've got a lot of people on hold. 1-800-223-9797. Uh, Manny from Orange, New Jersey. Manny, hi, you're on Hot 97. Yes, hello, Lisa Evers. Um, I have spoken to you like a couple times, like way back before. Okay. And stuff like that. I spoke to you a couple times. What I just want to say, a lot of people talk real bad about Muslim people, but you can look on the March 17 edition of Minister Farrakhan. A lot of people talk bad about him, too. There's a Muslim lady that was a teacher. She donated her kidney to a Christian student, and she's on the front page of the final call. Also, I want to say that um, we as a country, we are the biggest terrorists based on events that happened in Ferguson and many other events. And I would also like to say that um, if you go to InfoWars... Okay, I just want to say right, something. Hold, I want hold, to hold say, on one second. Let him, you know what, Manny, I, I, I got I to gotta, I gotta let somebody that fought for this country uh, re- respond to that. Thank you very much for the call, Jonathan. I think that's just a ridiculous statement for Manny to say that. You know, the United States is not a terrorist organization. What terrorism is, is a tactic. It's not... It's not a group. A tactic of terrorism is where a, a group goes out and pushes for, uh, force forward using a terror tactic so that they scare people into either following them or submitting. That's what terrorism is. You know, people make dumb comments like that. And here's the truth. You, if you look in a, high, in a big, big high school and there's one bully, right, and it's really bad, there may be a reputation that, hey, if you go to that school, you're going to get beat up, things are going to happen. The reality is it's one kid in a whole school. If they get rid of that kid or one group of kids, the school is going to be perceived completely different. Islam itself, like we were saying, there's two different parts of Islam. One has always progressed forward. The other one has is, is always been a warrior class. That's what has to, has to be realized here. And, you know, when we talk about offensive movement in Islam in order to counter this, it has to start deep within the mosques where the yeah. mosque, when something happens behind closed doors in a mosque, they literally do what you would do if you were running a bowling alley and some guy was in there trying to beat people up. Absolutely. You kick them out. What about that? I mean, I mean, yeah, what, yeah, hold me on a second. I mean, what about that? Yeah, I want to talk about that, but I want to pivot back to something you asked. You asked Brian an interesting question earlier. Like, does he take flack, so to speak, or does he become um, ostracized because he's Muslim? And it's kind of a different perspective from me as a black American Muslim because the reality of, and this I hope none of my immigrant Muslim friends get upset with me that may be listening, before 9-11, see, they, most of the immigrant community was able to just practice almost quietly. They stayed reserved within their mosque, mm-hmm. whereas the folks in the black Muslim community had always had a history from the 50s and mm-hmm. 60s of being engaged. Right. So when you heard about Muslims, and a lot of struggles. you, often, you, often, you mm-hmm. often thought about People that were Muslims that went into a community and made the community better. They got yeah. rid of the drug. They got right. rid of alcohol. They got yeah. rid of all these things. After 9-11, the immigrants started dealing with what we had been dealing with just based on the issue of skin color. So it became a persecution that we had already lived with. So we were able to help a lot of them navigate the new American terrain that happened I'm after, happy. after I'm 9-11. I'm so happy you said that. You know, and I often have to remind our immigrant you know, brothers and sisters of this. Now, here's the issue. I think that we have to go 
on the offensive, and we have to up our civic engagement. Because I'll tell you one thing. I watch Fox News, your, your, your other station, like everybody else, but I've never been into conspiracy theories. Theories, I'm not. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, and I think that the responsibility to really articulate what Islam means, and let's, let me be clear about it. Islam, as is practiced and understood in America, is in, a diff- is in a different context than what happens out of these majority Muslim lands. And mm-hmm. many people will refer to that as the Muslim world, but I don't call it the Muslim world because if you say that, then you're kind of deferring to say that what comes out of there yeah. is the brand that overarchs all of Islam. And it doesn't because it's so sectarian and it's so far away from what the text really informs us about that you can't even really call it so Islam. Do, so do you consider yourself an American who is Muslim? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Same here. Yeah. Same and and it's you do my, yeah, yeah. part of my I'm just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I know you do, I know you do black, because we work with a, you, but I'm just saying. And, and a black you. American is a black Muslim. American. Because even if I decided that I wasn't going to be Muslim for any, and I've been Muslim all my life, I, you know, my parents were Muslim when I was born. If I decide I wasn't going to be that, I'm still going to be black and I'm still going to be American. That's, <laughs> those things are going to be standards. Okay, we're yeah. going to take a short break. We're going to continue with our discussion about terrorism. I'm going to get to your telephone calls at 1 800 223 9797. Hit me up on Instagram. Um, at Lisa Evers and also I want to let you know April Fool's comedy show winning weekend listen all weekend to win tickets to our April Fool's comedy show happening Wednesday April 1st inside the theater at Madison Square Garden tickets available now at Ticketmaster.com made hot by Nutriment Fuel you're now Hot 97's on-air contests are generally open only to residents of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut, ages 18 and above, who have not won a contest within 30 days. No station employees, family members, or sponsors are eligible. No purchase necessary. Board were prohibited. Go to hot97.com slash contest dash rules for additional details and complete rules. There are plenty of ways to get around these days. You could take a bus. Sorry, pal. Exact change only. Please step off the bus. Or the train. Please expect delays of up to one hour on all service. Or even a cab. Sorry, buddy. I ain't driving all the way out there. Or you could make it easy on yourself and get around in a quality pre-owned car from Major World. Come to Major World of Long Island City and start getting yourself around. Choose from over 3,000 vehicles in stock in almost every make and model. Honda's, Nissan's, Toyota's, BMW's. And some of our vehicles are priced at under 3000 Plus, at Major World, 1% is all you'll pay to drive one away. Or choose monthly payments as low as $79. And no matter your credit history, your credit problems are no problem. Now, payments may vary based on severity of credit history. So if you're tired of... All right, buddy, we're here. That'll be 216 bucks. Why not start getting around on your own with a car from Major World? 4340 Northern Boulevard, Long Island City, Queens. Close to the 59th Street Bridge. And remember, if you can't get here, we'll come pick you up. Call 1-800-MAJOR-AUTO or go to MajorWorld.com. It's Macy's Spring Mattress Sale. Get our lowest prices of the season on mattress sets from Sealy, Serta, Beautyrest, iComfort, iSeries, and more. Get a Serta Pedic Firm Queen Set for $297. Or a Serta Perfect Sleeper Cushion Firm Queen Set for $397. Get special financing on a mattress purchase of $499 or more on your Macy's card. Shop our stores. Go to Macy's.com or call 1-800-MACY-BED. Macy's Spring Mattress Sale. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices exclusions apply. Saturday, April 4th. The History of Hip Hop with DMA, Mob Beat, EPMD, Big Daddy Kane, 
They want to rob Kim. Slick Rick. Once upon a time, not long ago. And Kit Capri. DMX, Mob D, EPMD, Big Daddy Kane, Slick Rick, and Kit Capri. Performing live at the New Jersey Performing Arts Center. NJ Pack, Saturday, April 4th. Buy your tickets now. If you make the decision to buy the home, then you're faced with what's, what's next? What do we do? We started at Realtor.com. Realtor.com gave us a lot more current information. Listings are pulled directly from the MLS every 15 minutes. Once you've gone through all of that, the Realtor makes it happen. We worked with the Realtor that really knew the area. And he knew the market. When you have someone who has the expertise, it makes it so much easier. Realtor.com and Realtors. Together, we make home happen. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. I have to confess, I love a good beauty steal. Eyeshadows, fancy anti-wrinkle creams, nail polishes, anything I can get my hands on, I take. I really stuff my bag. It's Ulta Beauty's 21 Days of Beauty event. Get daily beauty steals on all your favorite brands, like Urban Decay and Benefit. Plus, enjoy in-store events with tips and trends from the experts. Tricks on doing a cat eye? Yeah, I steal those too. Visit Ulta.com or an Ulta Beauty near you. Ends April 4th. Wendy's presents Red in Dinner Theater. Big news. My daughter got a part in the school play. Oh, well, sounds like someone deserves a Wendy's kids meal. My treat? Oh, I couldn't impose. Oh, no, not at all. They're only $1.99. And she is the star, right? Yep. Pine tree number three. Wendy's kids meals are now $1.99 after 4 p.m. With choices like our kids' hamburger, apple slices, and milk, it's perfect for them and for you. Now that's better. At participating Wendy's for a limited time. Agent, your mission is to find the great big Easter basket. It's filled with toys and candy, and we need to bring it in. Now go, go, go! This message will self-destruct in three, two, one. Find tons of Easter fun at Toys R Us. Save 30% on all Easter goodies and all Easter candy in store. Plus, all Lego minifigures are two for $5. Toys R Us. Come on, let's play. Excludes clothing and dollar shop. Visit Toys R Us for details. If you have Medicare Part D, Walgreens can put you at the corner of switching your prescriptions and saving some money. That's because Walgreens makes it easy to switch and save with co-pays as low as $0 on select Medicare Part D plans. Just bring us your prescriptions and we'll do the rest. Switch to save even more today. Walgreens, at the corner of happy and healthy. Applies to Tier 1 generics for select plans. As an entrepreneur, you're always on the go. So turn your mobile phone into a business phone system with Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. Get a new business number or keep your current one. Sound professional with a main greeting and multiple extensions that forward callers to your mobile phone. You can even get voicemails transcribed. Join over 150,000 small businesses who stay connected with Grasshopper. See how it works at grasshopper.com, the entrepreneur's phone system. Add some spice to your morning with Dunkin' Donuts' new spicy omelet flatbread. Try one today. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. What up? This is Trey Songz, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, real people, only on Hot 9-7. That's right. You know that. I'm Lisa Evers, at Lisa Evers on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, we're talking about the terror threat. How real is it? Or is it just overhyped? Taking your telephone calls at 1-800-223-9797. And I want to give you a heads up. Next Sunday, we're going to be talking about the N-word. Yes, we're talking about it in the new context. The debate started again on 
the sh- about the show Empire, the hit Fox series. One star wants it to be on the the TV next next year. Another star says no way. We're asking the overall question: Is it time to just come to some resolution about this? Either everyone uses it, no one uses it. When's it appropriate? When is it not? Is it just? part of our everyday slang now or is it still a hateful racial slur that's what we're going to be talking about next week so if you you have a strong opinion about the n-word and you would like to be part of that show please hit up my executive producer tone capone that's tone the number four real at gmail.com that's tone the number four real at gmail.com or you can follow me on twitter at lisa evers or instagram hit me up there at lisa evers and uh, we'll see if we can get you on that show now on twitter comment from at danielle mclean she says i want to i want to start with saying the government knows what's going on so yes i'm scared to death for everyone and on instagram minerva 1172 or m rivera 1172 says it's no hype in 93 the first attempt at the World Trade Center. Two of the men were staying in my building in the Lower East Side. The day of 9-11, none of them went to work. All the cabs were parked, meaning they all knew. Also on Instagram, StormX30, the threat is real. Thank God we have these agencies that are looking out for these radicalized people and stopping them in their tracks. And we want to know what you think. Is the terror threat, is it hype? Or is it something we should be concerned about as they're using... Social media, they're using, uh, they're, they're selling this idea of radicalism the way that you would sell sneakers, marketing it like mm-hmm. that. 1-800-223-9797. Joining us in studio, Jonathan Gillum, former Navy SEAL, CEO of U.S. Continued Service. Amin Nathari, he's the author of seven books, a Muslim scholar and public speaker. Also with us, Harry Houck, a former NYPD first grade detective, president of Houck Consulting, and Pakistani-American actor and rapper, Jabran Malik. And let's take some telephone calls because we have people have been holding on for a very long time. Let's go to uh, Zach from Staten Island. Zach, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. How you doing, Lisa? I'm good. Um, I just wanted to comment on uh, something we said earlier about uh, how uh, in the Muslim community, we uh, tend to I, I think he said uh, be like more what did he say? More of a uh, like vigilant. Offensive. Yeah. Well, look, I, I own a garage in Brooklyn. I have like at least 90% of a uh, like all the push carts, the halal trucks come to my garage and stuff. So, yeah. Um, they, uh, I, I know most of them, right? So uh, none of them, none of them, I mean none of them, like agree with ISIS. They, none of them, I talk to all of them. No one's offensive. They, all, they don't even see them as Muslims. They're not Muslims in our eyes. They're, uh, they're just people out there trying to harm the world, harm people. Kill people. I've been to Egypt. I'm Egyptian, and uh, usually we don't have like uh, problems and stuff there with ISIS. I don't know if you heard on the news about the missile attacks that happened, but uh, in uh, Egypt we're okay. But I know a lot of people that come from Syria and everything, and you know they lost their family. They lost a lot of people. No, they, they're responsible for killing a lot of people. Zach, thank you, thank you very much. Thank you very much for the comment. We appreciate that, Jonathan. What about what he said in terms of that? Maybe we should have another name for this besides calling them Islamic. Well, first off, you see how emotional he is. That's one thing that I always take into consideration whenever I'm on, you know, Fox or CNN or when I'm on the radio. Is I, there are people behind, you know, 
Islam that are real human beings. We're not just talking about the, you know the the uh, fanatical or uh, fundamental fighters that are over there in the Middle East. These are r- real people. You know, I'm sitting in this in this room with real Muslims that are real people. I think that's one of the big things that people need to realize that are trying to fix this problem is that it has to be taken real because it's not just you know three thousand lives that were killed on nine eleven. We're now fifteen fourteen years later, and there's several different groups of people that are suffering, including several. Muslims there's a lot themselves. of them. yeah. m- m- other Muslims. Uh, Chris- we've seen Christians. We've right. seen children. Mm-hmm. The the ongoing atrocities against women. women. I mean, that, that, that's a whole that's, that's a whole a, a, outrageous. And to me, the most dangerous thing. I just retweeted a picture with you on there. Is that Bad policy and bad national security, a lack of war plan, these things are ten times more dangerous than ISIS or any other Islamic group. Those bad policies, the the lack of a war plan, are what allow groups like ISIS, Khorasan, those groups to spread forward. The reality is it's fundamental Mohammedism. And I'm not hitting on Mohammed when I say that for the Muslims listening. It is the same practice and movement forward that was taking place in that day and age 1400 years ago right and i think think one of the things that we don't realize is that that these terrorists have declared war on us all right we're in the middle of world war three and the West knows nothing about it, and we don't even know it. We is, are is what in you're World saying? War III. We this are is. in World War. You're III saying this today. is World War Three, and we don't understand. And no doubt about it. And I think what we need to do, and we were talking about earlier, was that we need to put a group of allies together, like we did to defeat the Nazis. All right, we need the whole the whole world. You know, we need to get Europe more involved, America more involved. But Australia. Harry, this is an idea. The, the, this this radical movement, this radical terrorism, is an idea that's captivated the minds of increasingly younger people that have no connection right. to it. It's at, whatsoever. War. This it's is an unconventional right, but warfare. But that's why we need we need a three or a two prong approach. No, we need look. Muslims to be involved in the fight. All right, we need us to go in there and do. Well, there's no way we're going to change anybody's mind in ISIS by no matter how much talking we're doing. ISIS. Yeah, but what about the other people, Gibran? What about the other people who might be susceptible to this? If somebody, a public figure on social media, somebody starts slamming them or spreading lies, immediately, immediately go on the attack and and address those and do a whole counter offensive. We're not doing two, two that. Dif- two different things. There was a show where. Um, Bill Maher had a, 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 a little sit down or whatever, and he started he started talking about Muslims, and he kept using the term Muslims, Muslims, Muslims. And there was another uh, panelist who was upset at the fact that he was he was calling these people Muslims. Now he was like, "Aren't they Muslims? They're practicing Islam." I think what the panelists couldn't get across that I'm, I want to get across today is that when you call them Muslims, right? My whole life I've attributed Islam and Muslim. To something that's peaceful, something that I'm trying to strive for, something that's um, morally on the high ground, something that's something to achieve. And then when you give it, you give that term to somebody who does these barbaric acts, and you 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 you're lo- it's like I'm losing the definition of it. You're changing the meaning of it from me, from what it meant to me. To what they do, and you're well, what that term that's do you mean? think? Should, I mean, most news people use the term Islamic extremists. I mean, like, okay, like if 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 a Christian is that accept is that acceptable to you? you or can, you can uh, to me, it's acceptable as long as you as long as you put the word extremist. You can't just call them a regular Muslim. No. Muslims right. are doing that. Is that one of the and issues? That, I mean, that's the main yeah. issue is that people have taken and then and for the person that doesn't know the uninformed, 
it starts to become almost the brand as if it's correct. Yeah, the meaning you know? changes. Yeah, it, the meaning, yeah. So do, does mainstream, do, do you feel that mainstream Muslim leaders, and let's be very clear, mm-hmm. Muslim, um, Islam is the largest religion in the United States. There's how many billion no, people? No, not the largest. I mean in the uh, second, world. Second largest. Yeah, in the world though, right? The world, yeah, yeah. yeah two, billion, 2 billion Muslims around the world with the vast variety of cultures, cultures and races, and even and even ideologies, because again, which is the point I made earlier. That but we, so so know. does Islam have does mainstream Islam have a branding problem right yes, now? Yes, we do. We have mainstream Islam certainly has an image problem. We have a branding problem, which is part of the work that we do under Islam in America movement. We try to just be in the forefront of civic engagement. And here's the problem. Many times people will people will set up mosques in America, and I used to uh, chide and take imams to task about this. And you're in a mosque for ten years, and you don't know the names of the neighbors to the left of you and to the right of you. That's not going to work. You're going to automatically be isolated, and you're mm-hmm. going to automatically be looked at as the demonized other. But in those communities where Islam is growing and thriving, and the people are connected to the broader community, then the Muslims are the neighbors that work in the schools and all that. I served as the PTA president of the best academic high school in Newark. And the parents elected me, knowing that I was a Muslim. Why? Because the engagement is there. They don't look at us as a fear. They Mm -hmm. don't look at us as being that other person. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what has to happen. But we have to stop being in this defensive posture or putting forth these conspiracy theorists and, and just accept that it's real and then do the necessary That this is a problem work. and let's yeah. let's yeah. deal with it head on necessary to make you know the situation better. But I want to say one thing. ISIS and this is going to sound crazy but ISIS always existed. They yeah. just the names just Absolutely. changed. Name. I wanna, yeah. I and it stands for ISIS actually. stands for Islamic State Islamic, Islamic, uh, Iraq Islamic and, State Syria. Yeah. Iraq and what, Syria. Whatever they want to yeah. call but, themselves. Yeah. I'm just you, explaining. Yeah, that. yeah no, yeah. I know. But what, even then, it's like if you go all the way back to the beginning of the religion, it is that fundamental. There was there was a group that off shot, they shot off from the original Muslims. Right. They were called those who go out. That was their name in Arabic. Mm. And the original Muslims that lived with Muhammad, peace be upon him, and and knew exactly what Islam was about, called them literal extremists. They looked like extremists to the original founders of the people that originally associated themselves with Islam. And from that group, that group always existed, that took things literally, out of context, that didn't read scripture. Okay, but now now there's there's a a digital, we're in the digital era. Jonathan? Do you see now now where I'm explaining about the stories and the the superstitions, where how much of this goes back? Mm -hmm. You're Telling a story about a group that offshot from the original, um, from the original teaching followers, yeah. right? Yeah. So you see now where this goes all the way back. The, I mean, it's it's so deeply rooted in that culture over there. And here's the difference between this is going to make the biggest difference in America. Almost all the countries in the Middle East are conquered countries. They've been conquered at one point or another by Muslims, by other groups. United States is not a conquered country. We we came over here and we founded our freedom. And there's other countries in the world like that. Some of them, there are some Muslim countries like that. But that's the biggest difference. ISIS, you know, all these different uh, fundamental Islamic groups are able to spread in the Middle East because. The culture states in a lot of these countries, if I come in and I'm bigger than you and I have more force than you, you will submit to that force. That's the way the cultures are over there. Mm-hmm. Over here, the culture is different. It's going to be the only thing that really saves us from that spreading as technology grows, as long as our politicians don't set us up for failure, which is happening. But okay, but Jonathan, let me ask you this, and I, I, I got to get to a bunch of calls because people have been holding on and the phones are blazing. The 
the war of the information war. We've seen in past conflicts where there's been an information war. The United States has done drop leaflets, that dropped flyers, food, right. all kinds sure, of things right. like that. Is something like that going on now digitally to counter this? On our side or yeah, on their on side? Yeah, on our side. Well, that's that's a hard. I mean, the, it's hard to go over and drop leaflets and then go in and throw bombs. I mean, that's exactly. the fact. We we used leaflets uh, in um, in Fallujah to tell people to get out, and if you want to stay and fight, fight. But we're going to go through there and do that. I'm telling you, when you want to fight them, throwing some bombs is not going to work when it comes to the ground where you have to fight with group with boots. This is on the an ground. idea. It's an idea. Right. You, you, can't, you can't, can't fight, fight an idea. idea. With, with you, bombs. Exactly. I, I want. I know. I an keep, ideology. Let me, very hard to beat. Let me say this one thing. I want everybody to go and look up Dr. Stanley Milgram, his study that was in Yale University. I won't go into it, but what it will tell you, if you look at this, he, he wanted to find out how the German populations could follow you know, Hitler. Not all Germans were evil, but they followed a man that inspired or promised certain things. He found that upwards of 80%, if not more, of the population would support somebody that was crazy. And I think that is what the Muslim community is facing is that they may only have 20% of the fighters because they say, you know, upwards of 20% of Muslims in the Middle East can be considered fighters. But the bad part is upwards of 80% can either turn a blind eye or support the movement because once the movement starts going, that's, that's the, scary that's that somebody problem. can be, mm-hmm. so many people can be swayed to support it. Let's go to um, Tanya calling us from Canada. Tanya, hi, you're on Hot 97. Hi, I first want to thank uh, the guest that mentioned the Armenian Genocide, which uh, I think if people knew more about the history of the plight of the Christians in the Middle East and in Armenia, and um, I think they would understand the threat of Islamic extremism. Uh, Armenians uh, died uh, in the hands of Muslim Turks. Why? Because of a fanatical belief that the Christian was bad. Uh, when you read the Quran, there are excerpts that no one mentions in the news, no one, because of a political correctness. Do you read the equivalent in the Bible? As a child, when I read the Bible, I, I mean, love your neighbor. Everything's about love. When I read the Quran, it says... Uh, Christians and Jews are pigs. Okay, no, well, let me, let me, let me no, get... No, okay, no, Tanya, no, I got to get a response to it. I mean, what about that? You're no, the Muslim no, scholar. Not, here no, it doesn't say that. And even the most distorted uh, appropriation of the text doesn't say that. And there's more in Islam about peace and civilization than it is about war. Uh, and let me say this. Those passages in the Quran that talk about war, even that war during the time as it existed then, it was dealt with with certain rules of engagement. And it was dealt with not in a way that the people are dealing with it today, just the indiscriminate killing of innocent women and children and things like that. So when we start, we have to we have to we have to stop being um, uh, Quranic scholars with sound bites. All right. Let's let's go to uh, Jason from Long Island. Jason, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. How are you doing? Um, I just wanted to make a comment to what the guy just said about America. America was founded, was a free country, but the British came in and slaughtered all the Native Americans. I knew this. <laughs> and started a slave trade in the 1800s. <clears throat> so that's no different from what 
it's they're a, doing over there. But it's a big difference. Okay, I, I, let me get it. Let me get a res- get a, let me get a response to Jason. It's a, it's a big difference because over there, what you have is conquered groups, not eliminated groups. First of all, right? We did come in here, and there was a population of American Indians. We came in, and we took and we took this land as our own, and we grew our population. But that's different than going in to a country and then making that country's people subservient to your leadership, and that happens over and over and over uh, in the Middle East. I want to say something as an American. You know, someone who has to, to, to look at the history of America. Yes, you know, the founding fathers and what was happening at that time reflects the time period that they lived in exactly. and how they understood it. Mm-hmm. The Constitution is so much higher morally than the time period that it was created in that we're still trying to aspire to it today. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, that's an all, excellent point. All men yes. are created equal. They right. knew that. Mm-hmm. But did the world know that? Did and they, they didn't put women, and, though. I know. <laughs> so, so there's still things that... What I'm we're, still, to say, we're still evolving. What, what, what I'm no, I know to what say, you're saying. is we're still, what, what was, it, it, It's basically like everything else. What was appropriate 10 years ago, even in terms of social conversation, and, is not acceptable and, now. And like I said right. about Islam, is that if you look at it for its time that it was born in, it was made to be a progressive movement. You know what I mean? There was constitutions formed where everyone was looked at as equal. Right. You know, you got to study the whole history. Yeah, that's bad parts, but the world is crazy. The Middle East is crazy. Everyone's fighting each other. It's always when, been like that you, throughout when, the Bible. When you look at the Middle East right now, and honestly, we can, there's happening in different places, but there's four main hotspots, and I wonder if, 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 if you would agree. Uh, you have Libya, Iraq, Syria, and Yemen. Those are four main hotspots. Let me tell you what they all have in common. They're fighting a civil war that's sectarian in nature. It's a sectarian issue. What do you mean by sectarian? Sectarian that meaning people. that they have these hair-splitting ideologies. The Shia, the Sunni. The Shia versus they the Sunni. Own, they have their own thing going on. And they're Muslim. And then, they're right, different Muslim and, ideologies. And then even within the Sunni, there's a split because you have the ones that say, okay, we're Salafi or Wahhabi. And then you have all right. these. So it's all a sectarian divide. But here's the so here's the issue with America. This is what I want to say. Then, then you jump in. In America, what we're trying to do, and I'm going to be honest with you, most of the, the, as we would call the mainstream Muslims, we're trying to insulate ourselves against these sectarian ideas because it's these sectarian ideologies that come in that will take root in the mosque, and if they're not checked, then it begins but to it's, grow and be born. Its out appeal of the is only you know? for. I want to say something. What? There was a mosque that I went to a couple of months ago, where outside of the mosque, there was a guy who was handing out flyers, and it wasn't directly promoting ISIS, but it was indirectly, uh, you know, yeah. saying that lies against the Islamic State. Now, th- now I was upset. But then I was also happy about something that happened right after that, that everyone who was the organizer of the mosque, everybody came out and pushed that guy away and reported that guy to the authorities. That's what's supposed to happen. That's excellent. The leaders of the mosque. I think it makes people feel a lot better. And we couldn't touch the guy because he's using America's freedom of... First Amendment freedom of speech. So we can't touch this guy, but we're blocking his access from him giving out these flyers and we're telling the fellow Muslims that just came out peacefully, of Friday Peacefully yeah, blocking them. Peacefully, yeah. And telling all the fellow Muslims that came out of Friday prayer that this guy don't See, buy into what he's giving out. So I was happy that it wasn't just me that was upset about what this guy was doing and I saw my fellow Muslims all come together, every single one of them, and get this guy, push him away up from the street respectfully and within the law and also report him to the authorities. So that's something that I want to share with you guys to let you know that, yeah, if, if it does even pop up even a little bit, just some Somebody saying, ah, you know what? ISIS is not so bad. We immediately, we, not just yeah. myself, we were like, yo, you got to you gotta kill That's the kill reality. Life. And that's the kind of thing that has to happen. That's the reality right? of what's going to work. And Because here's what you have to think about it. Muslims, Christians, Armenians, everybody needs to realize this. There is a tree growing. And the four or five places 
that you just mentioned, that's the visible tree. But underneath the ground are the roots that are spreading all around this globe. And as that tree falls, it's going to yank all those roots. So you can't just go through and cut the tree down because the root system is still alive. What you did there at that mosque is exactly what people have to do. And when the law enforcement responds to that, they need to take that guy very, very exactly. seriously. Exactly. All right. I wish we had more time because we have so many calls. Diana from Binghamton, she wants to know about the different types of Muslims. Uh, Ali from New Jersey. Amy from Clifton. Sal from the Bronx. Steve wow. from Queens. Gabriel from New Jersey. Giovanni from Brooklyn. Um, ja from Brooklyn. I want to thank all of you for uh, calling in. I'm sorry we didn't get to your telephone calls and everyone else that's on hold and got bumped off the lines because they were so busy but um they can reach us on twitter for sure yeah. right you can follow everybody on twitter we're gonna we're gonna send out a um later on today once tj posts the show we'll I'll also put the twitter handles for all of our guests so you can if you follow me at lisa evers l-i-s-a evers ev is in victor e-r-s um on twitter and instagram on twitter we'll post the link to the show and also the handles for our guests that were here in studio so we can continue this this dialogue because there's a tremendous amount of interest and tremendous amount of uh, questions and I love our Street Soldiers audience because everybody always bring bringing in the new uh, new angles and, and excellent, excellent points. So I want to thank our guest Jonathan Gillum, former Navy SEAL, CEO of U.S. Continued Service, Amin Nathari, Muslim scholar and public speaker, uh, former Deputy Commission, Communications Director for Mayor Cory Booker when we did the, actually this was the birth predated Push for Peace, we did an education live town hall Street mm-hmm. Soldiers show from downtown Newark, thanks to Amin and uh, the whole Cory Booker team there with Stefan Marbury. Shout out to Stefan. And also, um, thanks to Harry Houck, former NYPD first grade detective, president of Houck Consulting, and Jabram Malik, Pakistani-American actor and rapper. I want to thank all of you so very much for being on the show. And uh, next Sunday at 9 in the morning, we're going to be talking about the N-word. You know the controversy with the Empire crew, Terrence Howard versus Taraji Henson. One saying, yes, the N-word is part of our dialogue. It should be on TV. Taraji saying, absolutely no way. We want to know what you think. If you want to be a part of that show, hit up my executive producer, Tone Capone, that's tone the number four real at gmail.com tone the number four real at gmail.com and i want to thank my whole team here executive producer tone capone our board op and digital director the one and only tj and on the phones today charisma ruffin thank you all very very much twitter at lisa evers uh, instagram at lisa evers this show and other shows you can listen to the free uh show audio on lisa evers.com we'll be on fox 5 news tonight at 10 during the week yeah i'm back with the cat Thank you to everybody for all the well wishes. Hopefully it's coming off this week. I think it is. And um, you know how we do. Hope you have a great week. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Push for peace. Yo, Rosenberg, you hear about the Hot 9-7 April Fool's Day comedy show lineup? No, who is it? Eddie Murphy. That guy doesn't do comedy anymore. Bill Cosby.